it's easy for, and the company generally did say for years, you know, look, we're, we're a beer company. We got, you know, giant steel tanks that hold a bunch of beer in them. This isn't a tech company. Man, that's a really dangerous mindset because that leads you down the path of letting your hardware, your software hit end of life. Um, you start walking a really difficult tightrope where if these systems start to go down, um, suddenly we're reminded that we are actually pretty reliant on technology. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Backbone, a podcast exploring the journey of finance and operations within tech companies. I'm your host, Shabam Data at Shabam on Twitter. If this is your first episode, welcome, and thanks for checking it out. For those returning listeners, I'm so glad you're here. I hope that you've subscribed, rated, and reviewed the show on whichever platform you're hearing this now. It would mean so much to me and help spread the stories of these amazing finance leaders we feature on The Backbone. Joining me on this episode of The Backbone is Trevor Young, CFO at Steam Whistle Brewing. Steam Whistle is a leading independently owned craft brewer in Canada. Trevor is responsible for the finance function at Steam Whistle, in addition to IT and legal. He is also driving a company-wide transformation with improved structure, processes, and most importantly, leadership to influence significant change throughout the organization. Prior to Steam Whistle, he spent four years at McKinsey, focused on service operations and digital transformations. Before McKinsey, he served for six years in the Canadian Army, including three years in Valcartier, Quebec, with Canada's French-speaking brigade. Trevor is also a board member and the chair of the Finance Committee at Team Rubicon Canada, a nonprofit that employs military veterans to serve disaster-affected communities in Canada and abroad. He holds a BA in Political Science and International Studies from Yale University and a Master of Global Affairs from the Monk School at the University of Toronto. And so without further ado, here's Trevor Young, CFO at Steam Whistle Brewing. Hey Trevor, thanks for joining me on The Backbone. How's it going? Hey Shabam, great thanks. Nice to to be here. Well, uh, we've got lots to get through, so let's uh, dive right in. Every finance leader's path into the CFO seat is a very unique one. That said, yours is quite unconventional. And so for context, you started your career competing for a spot on the national rowing team for the Beijing Olympics. From there, you went on to spend the next six years serving for the Canadian Armed Forces. From there, you spent four years in management consulting at McKinsey before making the jump into the CFO seat at Steam Whistle. So walk me through your fascinating journey and how it all started for you. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for the, the kind words. I think fascinating is, uh, is a little generous, but it was certainly unconventional. Um, yeah, look, I mean, look, I think for the first, you know, effectively 10 years of my career, um, you know, I was really focused on, 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 on how to get the most out of teams. Um, you know, certainly on the, on the sports side, rowing is a, a great example of that, uh, where really there's, there's no such thing as a one star. There's no, there's no single athlete that can make it, um, go that much faster. It's, it's, it's truly, uh, truly a sport of getting the most out of the, the total team. You know, I, I, unfortunately I wasn't fast enough to make the, make make the senior team and, and go to the olympics but uh learned a lot from the sport and and i think i still had that bug of of how do you you know how do you get the most out of a team um i coupled that with just a desire to to serve and um you know the writing was on the wall uh you know the one of the biggest challenges you can do and certainly one of the most gratifying experiences of my life is is having the privilege to wear the maple leaf on your shoulder um serving in the army so 
you know, the different context, but fundamentally similar challenge. You've got a team, you've got a shared objective, and how can you get the most out of that team um, to perform at its peak? Um, had a fantastic experience serving in the Army uh, all around Canada for, for six years there. Um, and by the end of it, though, I, I think, you know, while I may have been able to have a lot of good experience working and leading teams, uh, certainly needed some work to, to build my business acumen um, and build some credibility on that side of things. Um, management consulting was a fantastic stepping stone uh, to, to do that, um, to learn very quickly across a range of industries, different levels of businesses, uh, and certainly different functions, um, and had you know, a fantastic time working with great teams at McKinsey. I think as I got towards the end of my time there, though, um, you know, the, the the itch was still there to be operating. Um, you know, to be to be back with a team with a shared purpose, a shared goal, um, and, and pursuing it together over a longer term. And, and so that kind of led to you know a few a few goals that I was I was hoping to do, which is you know inspire an entire team, you know, build the muscle of being an operator, which obviously is not something you can do um, fundamentally in consulting. Um, and I think most importantly, you know, make permanent decisions on, on the on the outcome of a, of a team, of a company. So the opportunity came up at, at Steam Whistle here uh, to sit in the CFO seat. And it was it was a no-brainer at that point to, to make the move um, from consulting uh, back to the operating side. Earlier, um, when, when we had chatted, you mentioned this uh, concept to me of, hey, you know, I, I was never the, the fastest on the boat, but whatever boat I was in uh, seemed to win. And, and you alluded to this uh, a bit in your, in your overview as well about this concept of um, just pulling up the team um, throughout your, you know, whether it was rowing, whether it was in the armed forces in, and even at McKinsey and now to um, Steam Whistle, how has that played a role uh, as you've progressed in your career? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a funny one. Um, you know, look, I mean, I think most importantly, I've just been really lucky and really fortunate uh, to be on teams and groups with with really talented and, and driven and motivated people. Um, and yeah, I, I can't think of a single circumstance anywhere where I, you know I've been the the strongest of that group. Um, you know, fundamentally, that's how teams work. I think that's what makes sort of the magic of teams, whether it's uh, in sport, in, in private business, uh, serving the government, whatever the case is. Um, I think the magic there is is being able to put your own personal ambition and your personal um, thirst for recognition, which we all have to varying levels, of course. Um, but, you know, we all have some of that. Um, but can you, you know, are, are you willing to make that subordinate to, the team's goals and the team's outcome. Um, and, and, you know, and I think if, if you're able to try and remind yourself of that and, and, and check yourself in terms of, you know, your own, your own personal um, need for recognition, uh, then, you know, usually I, I, I find that tends to lead to better, better outcomes for the team. And, and, for me, at least, that's what I was always most concerned about. For sure, even just there, you're uh, being very humble. But I don't think it's uh, and it's just luck to be uh, around great teams. You're obviously doing something right and making the most out of the the team around you. But uh, we'll get into that a bit later in the show. But um, tell me, tell me a bit about Steam Whistle. Obviously, I'm familiar with uh, the beer, uh, but uh, tell me a bit more about uh, Steam Whistle Brewing and what attracted you to the company. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, you know, Steam Whistle is, uh, you know, for those who haven't heard of it or familiar with it, is is the largest 
craft brewer, independently owned craft brewer here in Canada. Um, certainly one of the originals in terms of the, the you know, the craft beer industry, uh, in this country, uh, turning 20 years old this year. Um, so, you know, I think we have a really exciting company here with, with fantastic brand equity, uh, Canadian through and through sold around the country. Um, you know, in a, in a really challenging industry, but, but fundamentally, uh, you know, a fantastic and established brand. Um, so I think that was one piece that I found pretty attractive. Um, a second was just the, you know, the situation, the context for this company, um, you know, over its sort of first 17, 18, 19 years followed sort of your, your classic S curve trajectory. A couple of years to get off the ground, it was high into the right, um, sort of through 20, 2010. Uh, and then the growth slowed and then the growth flattened and then, you know, the, the, you know, the, the sales actually declined for a couple of years there. Um, so a really tough period for any company to go through. And, and you know, I think this is pretty common across a lot of industries. Um, but the, the context for the opportunity here was really to walk in um, into a, a through and through transformation. How do you leverage this incredible equity, uh, this, this brand equity, this great culture, um, this fantastic product and, you know, reverse the trend of, of, you know, three years of, uh, of, of decreasing sales. Um, so that was a really exciting challenge and, and, you know, very proud and happy to report that, you know, we've at least one year in, we've reversed the trend and we're back up. And, you know, and we certainly believe that we've got more years ahead of ahead like that. Um, but that contest was exciting. And, and then I think finally the third point was just, you know, the potential, um, of this company. You know, if we can get this transformation right to truly be, you know, I, I would say the, the the professionals of the craft beer world, you know, certainly able to go out and have a good time. And, you know, we've got the, the brewery hockey team and all sorts of great culture around this place uh, from our events team and our, our, our on-site team down in the beer garden doing beer to uh, brewery tours. Um, so we can have a great time, but can we also be the professionals? Can we, can we, can we do this right? Can we act like a, you know, a performance focused company. Uh, and, and so far the traction has been good. And, uh, and I think we're starting to see the, uh, the early benefits of that. Unlike most CFOs we feature on the backbone, uh, who had the ability to set up a finance function from scratch, you inherited a bunch of legacy systems when you took over the CFO gig at Steam Whistle. So how did you decide which systems you were going to keep versus the ones that you needed to change to innovate as a company? Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm still trying to figure that one out. Um, not a very original answer here, but I think this is one where I sort of come back to you know the consulting days and just your, the classic two by two, right? What's, you know, on, on one axis, you've got your, your impact and the other axis is the feasibility. Uh, and, and ideally, what are the things that, that you might want to address that are uh, up and to the right there? Um, tangibly, what that means is, you know, I found, first of all, there were a few really quick and very impactful changes to make um, in terms of, uh, obviously, on our AP side, and then similarly in terms of collections. Um, fundamentally, what that did is we had a 20% improvement on our cash conversion cycle within the first six months. Uh, for us, that really matters, especially in a highly seasonal business. Um, to do that, uh, just some simple things like you know changing terms when and where possible. Um, you know, obviously pushing out your payables or asking for a discount for a, you know shorter terms, uh, and then just putting some some structure around our collections to make sure that we're actually you know spending time where the money is, 
and and in fact make sure we don't allocate too much time to um, sort of some of the lower value pieces. So yeah, the first the first one there was for sure just like uh, in terms of cash, the cash conversion cycle. Uh, what were some of the changes we could do there? I think secondly after that, I thought okay, you know what's what tends to be customer facing. Um, so are there some ways that we can change uh, our, our invoicing methods? Uh, again, back to the collection side of things. Um, how do we handle aged AR? But what are some changes we can do that are going to have a direct impact on our customers? Um, you know, because ultimately we want to make sure that, that, that they're happy, that they're getting the product they want on time at the right place. Um, and ideally, they're paying us too. Uh, and then, you know, I think the third is, okay, you know, what are some of like the highly rules-based and, and repeatable tasks that we have to do. And that's where, you know, step one is just, let's just put some swim, swim lanes here, some SOPs in place um, to make sure that we're not reinventing the wheel on a quarterly basis. Um, and then when and where possible, like what can we actually just straight up automate, um, you know, eliminate basic manual entry, uh, data entry, and, and start to automate some processes. So, I mean, that was, that was kind of it. First is just like, Where's the money? How can we improve cash, uh, the cash conversion cycle, and, and you know, especially our payables? Secondly, is you know what systems might we change that that are going to have a material and positive impact on our customers? What's customer facing? And then thirdly, just what are some of those obvious, highly repeatable, high frequency, very rules based tasks um, that that we can either standardize or ideally automate. I love the way that you uh, frame that and definitely uh, some of your uh, consulting days coming out there, but I, I definitely love that, uh, that framework. Uh, it's, it's a good one. Um, often CFOs have multiple functions reporting into them, such as legal, HR, and IT. Uh, in, in your scenario, how do you go about tackling all of this in addition to steering the ship from a financial perspective? It's a tough balance. I mean, I'm, I'm lucky here that I've got, um, got a great team in place uh so we have you know from the legal side um you know some some counsel that's been with the company for a long time which is is very beneficial for just the corporate knowledge as, as well as just generally the context with some of the challenges we we face on a sort of weekly and monthly basis now um you know i, I think in that case it's it, it's really just a matter of, of leaning on these professionals and, and and trying to give um as much direction as as needed and and no more. So you can get the time back and, and, and devote it back to where uh, it's going to have higher impact. Same thing on the HR, you know, just, just fantastic colleagues that generally speaking, I know they can, they can run with things and, and there's, there's little to worry about. It's more a question of, you know, where do you need my input? Am I a bottleneck somewhere? Um, but otherwise let them run. Um, you know, and, and, and IT, I think IT is kind of a unique challenge here because it's easy for, and the company generally did say for years, you know, look, we're, we're a beer company. We got, you know, giant steel tanks that hold a bunch of beer in them but this isn't a tech company and man that's a really dangerous mindset because uh you know that leads you down the path of letting your hardware your software hit end of life um you start walking a really really difficult tightrope um where if these systems start to go down um suddenly we're reminded that we are actually pretty reliant on technology um so that's been a big a bigger challenge and, and required more time to focus on that um and, and frankly not only within the IT function, but generally within the company, try to try to try to bring people along on this journey of of doing their part to help um, you know make sure that our, our our IT infrastructure and our day to day IT systems are um, 
are back up to speed and up to date. Seems like you're managing all of those various uh, hats that one has to wear as a CFO quite well. Uh, changing gears now a little bit, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure as a CFO, you care deeply about the company's finances and financial position. However, how do you get others in the company to care about financial performance or asked another way? How do you communicate financial outcomes to a non-finance audience? Yeah, this is, um, you know, this is this has been a really fun, a fun challenge to have here. I think, you know, as a senior management team, uh, you know, there was a, it was a slight push there, but I think generally speaking, the senior management team was able to get on on board there pretty quickly. And, and tangibly, what do we do every month? We go through the PL. Um, obviously, of the entire business as well as the, the respective sort of subunits, if you will, the, the beer business, the events business, the, the on-site sort of restaurant and tours, um, and so that just starts helps build reps, frankly, um, of, of people internalizing their respective PNL as well as our overall performance as a management team, um, and and using that as a basis, frankly, for a monthly conversation um, in terms of what's going well and, and you know where we need to focus and, and tighten up. Uh, so that's great at that at, at the more senior level, but you know, one of the challenges we're facing is we realize you know, we we need to make sure that at even at sort of the, the mid management level and and beyond, frankly, every employee in the company um, just starts to think with a bit more financial discipline, think like an owner, and, and make those decisions um, that you would make if it was your own house. And uh, you know, so some of the things that we've done there is number one, just 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 try and use as plain language as possible. Um, and, and take the time to have that conversation and, and make it a conversation, a two-way conversation where people can ask questions. How is EBITDA calculated? What are the components? Most importantly, how does it affect me and how do I affect it? So, so trying to explain, for instance, to the sales reps, like the answer to those two questions. Um, so that's one piece is, is just around, generally speaking, the education and just do it in plain language. Use analogies, do whatever the case is, take the time to make sure people just get it. Secondly, set clear goals and incentives that are tied to the PL. Uh, you know, that, that's been a big one when we think about the incentive plan. Um, how do we make sure that it's not just a you know, top line number, but people are thinking about the contribution to the business um, so that they have the budget discipline as well as you know, the focus on, on chasing top line growth. Uh, and then fundamentally, uh, in the finance function, um, how do I make sure that this is sort of communicated and adopted is, is you know, be that objective source of truth. Um, measure and track uh, how we're doing, report it back to people, um, and you know, do that on a monthly basis internally and quarterly with our board and you know, an annual audit, but be that, be that source of truth. And that makes a lot of sense. Uh, explaining to, to everyone, um, finan- financial background or otherwise, uh, why certain things matter and explaining in plain English uh, definitely goes a long way for sure. And last question here before we jump into our quick fire round, and that is, in your opinion, what is the importance of the finance function at a company like Steam Whistle? Yeah, certainly. I mean, at both a company like Steam Whistle in terms of sort of the, the industry, but I think maybe more importantly, the agent stage um, uh, and sort of maturity level of the company, it is to try to bring some of that that rigor, that structure and process to to how our employees go about, um, you know, go about their business. Um, you know, you really want to avoid the perception. You know, I had a conversation literally today with, with one of our, our, you know, our front of house managers who sees, you know, hundreds of customers a week, and this is their experience with the brand. Um, so this is, you know, a critical role within our company. Uh, you know, and, and she, she, you know, she made sort of made some passing joke about, oh, you know, and that'll help us keep costs down. I know you like that. 
And I said, you know, listen, I, of course I do, but I really don't want this to seem like we're all about cost cutting because that's not the case whatsoever. Um, I think, you know, words like financial discipline, protecting the margin, of course, that's really important. But, you know, I'm more concerned about growing this company than I am about just, you know, keeping, keeping costs at the, the lowest possible level. Um, you know, we're not, we're not, we're not 3G over here. This, this is not, uh, we're not doing a, a rigorous zero base every year and holding people to it. Um, and so, you know, the importance of the finance function, I think, is, is helping people understand how, um, you know, the P and the L fit together, um, to, you know, determine the outcome for our business, the performance of our business, um, and, and helping them stay focused on both sides, both the top line as well as their you know, respective expense lines, um, so that, you know, we can grow, but grow sustainably, grow profitably, uh, that, that, I think, is sort of the core function, certainly right now at Steam Whistle. So, yeah, just looking at the holistic view rather than just isolated lines or um, isolated aspects that uh, a person within the company is, is uh, working in. Absolutely. So, what I'd love to do now is jump into our quickfire round. And the way this works is I'll ask you a couple of questions. You have 10 to 15 seconds to respond to each. How does that sound? All right, let's do it. All right. So, what's your go-to online resource for all things finance-related? Uh, sure. On a on a daily basis, I think I give a plug to the guys over at the Logic. Uh, I just love that reporting. Um, it's concise, it's clear, and, and very very relevant. Uh, and then beyond that, just some industry resources, uh, Brewers Association uh, website called Brewbound, just to keep up to date with what's happening uh, you know, in the category. Cool. Uh, what's your favorite productivity hack? Uh, certainly, recently it's, it's just been to stop multitasking. Uh, my personal view is multitasking is a bit of a myth. It's a source of waste. Uh, so tangibly, what do I do? You know, turn off notifications on my phone, on my computer, avoid checking my phone for the first half hour every morning at home, and you know, and just be be present in what I'm doing. So don't bring a laptop to a meeting if I don't have to. And if I can end a meeting early, then end it early, <laughs> rather than sort of open up my laptop and trying to trying to multitask and pretend that I'm being productive. It's it's usually just a waste for for both both sides. Love it. Being present and do, doing what you're doing. I like that. Um, what's one thing you don't leave the office before finishing? Cleaning up. <laughs> uh, just just being ready to show up the next morning and come in sort of a, you know, an, an, organized, an organized desk and an organized day. So, so literally, physically clean up around, <laughs> around the office. Um, and then, you know, I guess more, uh, more, more digitally do a clean up, take a look at the calendar inbox, and just set myself up for success uh, the next day. Yeah, nice. Uh, I've started to hear that one quite a bit frequently. So seems like it's a it's a trend that's uh, catching on. Uh, good to hear. Um, what's uh, one jargon that makes you cringe? Could be tech, could be beer, could be whatever. Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I I can't stand you know vague verbs. Uh, we're gonna supercharge growth. Take the <laughs> step further. Um, be specific. <laughs> you know, if you want someone to do something. Uh, make it actionable, make it clear, make it specific. Uh, if I hear another person telling me how they're going to innovate next year, it's like, I don't know. It's, it seems seems pretty superficial. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And what's the best advice you've received so far in your career? Um, look, I mean, I, I, I think it's, it's sort of make decisions on a pretty clear hierarchy. Um, 
first should be your your objective, like the, you know, the, the team's goal, the team's objective, whatever it is. Um, then think about your people and then think about yourself uh, and, and do those things in that order. Your objective, your people and yourself. Um, you know, I, th I think tangibly that means you know, don't don't ask people to do something you wouldn't be willing to do yourself. Um, you know, make sure all your decisions are focused on, on the, the, the greater outcome, the greater objective that we're all striving for. And I think as long as that's sort of leading the day-to-day -day decision making, then uh, it keeps you on the right track. That's awesome. That's amazing. Well, Trevor, I've really enjoyed this conversation and uh, it's been a blast. I learned a lot about a steam whistle uh, more than I, I thought I'd, I, I would know. Um, and and two, really about your experiences uh, going from, you know, armed forces to uh, management consulting now in the CFO seat at Steam Whistle and uh, a lot of the things that you've had to implement, um, you know, inheriting a finance function versus starting one from scratch as well as being able to communicate financial outcomes and goals to a non-financial audience. So really learned a lot about from this chat. And uh, thanks again, Trevor. Appreciate the time. Thanks, Shabam. Uh, likewise, really enjoyed it. And, uh, look forward to talking to you soon. Awesome. Take care. Cheers. And that wraps up another episode of The Backbone. What an awesome discussion with Trevor Young, CFO at Steam Whistle Brewing Company. Check out some of the other awesome finance leaders featured on The Backbone from companies like Ecobee, Wealthsimple, League, and many more. Thank you for listening all the way through and joining me on this journey inside finance at a tech company. Until next time, take care.